My name is Isaac Wexler Mann, and as some of you know, I got an idea last year to launch a platform where artists could ask other artists questions, everything from career advice to technical painting tips. Now, it's been a long process, but Art Matters, the podcast for artists, launched last week, and today I'm proud to announce the release of episode two. So this is a Q&A podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by a fellow artist, and together we share our personal experience as we answer questions submitted by artists all over the world. In this episode, I'm joined by artist and friend Dan Fig. It was great having Dan on. He was thoughtful and transparent, a great artist and a lovely guy. If you'd like to find Dan's work, go to danfig.net or check in the episode notes. If you have an art question you want answered, write in to artmatterspodcast at gmail.com or DM me directly at isaac.man, that's two A's and two N's, on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Art matters to you, art matters to me, art matters to everybody. All right, well, here we got Dan Fig uh, joining us for the Q&A section of the podcast. Dan, thanks so much for joining me. Isaac, yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to see you. I know uh, the listeners can't see your face, but you look handsome as ever. Hey, right back at you. <laughs> Let's see. So I appreciate you being the guinea pig. Uh, we don't know what's going to go right and what's going to go wrong, but, you know, we'll we'll just have to cross those bridges when we come to it and try and get some good questions answered. Yeah, yeah. Happy to happy to walk that bridge with you. Great. So let's get into these questions that have been submitted. This first one: How do you make art when you're struggling emotionally? Mm. I think right now, especially, uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, that you know, going into the studio isn't just a you know, we close the door and we try and make it all about painting or, or the, the art form that we choose. But you got your phones, you read the paper in the morning, like it, it, there's no way to get that full separation where it's just you and your creative space. So um, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Like struggling emotionally, whatever, whether it's politically, what's going on in the world or at home, like do you feel like you can make art when these things get heavy? Uh, and then why or why not? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really difficult sometimes. And obviously these last few years are no exception. I mean, they've been exceptionally bad and it's, um, yeah, it can be really difficult. Um, I, I do my best to make the studio a sort of sacred space and try to leave as much outside as I can. Um, and that's both kind of physically and uh, spiritually, emotionally. I, I try to not have too many superfluous just things in here. Um, and it's it's not an easy thing, but I think sometimes for me, I've got to like take a day off from the news sure. to have a productive day in here. Um, 
And I think a big thing that this question brings to mind for me is just honesty with oneself and hmm. sorting out where you're at. If some days are, are going to be too difficult and you're, you might need to just take a break and be home for the day and, you know, eat mac and cheese or watch a movie or something. Right. A little self-care instead of uh, just going at it like normal. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this question really resonates with me lately. Like I feel that I've learned uh, how to be more honest with myself emotionally mm. and to have a greater understanding of what I can handle um, and what I can't. And I think a big part of that uh, has been working with a really great therapist mm. and you know, looking, I, I found like subsidized therapy services, being cool. an artist who, you know, financial things are always tricky. Yeah, um, for sure. And talk, talking with my doctor about these things. And I started on SSRIs uh, a few months ago, which I, it's been really great. Like I could have done, started years ago and that would have Tell been me, helpful. I'm unfamiliar. SSRIs are what? So that's like Zoloft. Prozac, oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety. Right on. And it took me a really long time to get there, which I feel like comes back to the sort of being honest with oneself. Yeah. Uh, my, I often would not, my doctor would routinely, with the script that she has for like yearly checkups, ask about depression or anxiety. Hmm. And I would always say it wasn't an issue. And it was an issue for a while. And now that I'm, have found that ability to be more honest with myself about that and deal with it head on, it's, uh, it's been way easier, way better. And it's been a revelation. Like I just, I feel like it's like a cheesy, like catchphrase or something, but like mm -hmm. that honesty with oneself is like opens a lot of doors, a lot of possibilities. That's awesome. And uh, I think that's great. I think it's great that you figured that out. And I totally respond to this thing about being honest about uh, where you're at. You know, it's so hard to uh, stay present with uh, what you need when, you know, you're working too much and you're painting too little and you just get into this rhythm where it's I've been thinking about it so much lately where uh, kind of the last thing on your mind is your own mental health and your own like stability. And uh, I think artists like us definitely end up, um, uh, you know, so much is riding on a good piece of art, you know, whether it it's sells or goes to a gallery or whatever. But uh, when it comes down to it, like uh, a sense of self-worth based entirely on how good your most recent painting is, you know, that's, that was tough in my twenties. And now it's, uh, I think by being present, by being more honest with yourself about what you actually need and when you need time off, um, I agree with you. That's, that's the key, whether it's some medications that help you find that balance or, um, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, we were talking, uh, 
before recording a little about this, but I've gotten into meditation and that's something that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole uh, up until a couple of years ago. You know, I <laughs> laughed at my buddy Tom, who's been doing it for years. No, what are you talking about? Meditation? And I'm a, I'm a painter. I saw those two as mutually exclusive and it's been great. I mean, it's a major balancing point for me. Um, and it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't proselytize for it, but it's one of those things that I found that really, it doesn't balance me by my, by itself, but it keeps me aware of, uh, uh my working practice, you know, how those, and the rest of my life too, come on. But, um, but yeah, in the studio and one more thing I'd add to it is, um, add to the question about struggling in the studio is I had, I used to have a very odd, um, I won't say that it wasn't odd, but it was, um, not consistent, uh, this reaction to struggling. So when I would be in a personally vulnerable situation or some drama going on, whatever it was, I could find myself in one of two ways. One, totally blocked, like get into the studio and just nothing happening. You know, I mean, we all, that's kind of what the question is about. The other one was equally weird though. And the other one was like, no, I just go to the studio like on impulse and then just like work and work and work kind of like autopilot, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And not to say it was my best work or my worst work, but it felt I don't know. It was weird because I came off of it feeling almost a little guilty. And that wasn't something I didn't expect. I wanted to come up being like, hey, way to go. Like you just uh, you were having a bad day. You went in, you worked, you worked through it. Right. But mm-hmm. often it wouldn't be that way. Often I'd be like, there would be something still sticking inside where it's like you're not actually dealing with <laughs> like you kind of left something on the plate. You haven't really dealt with anything. Um, And I think. And I think that's the um, that's the uh, error in this sort of historical thinking that we have. You know, I went to a lot of art school and mm-hmm. learned all about these artists in the fifties and and way before who like channeled their misery and their whatever into these heroic emotional <laughs> paintings and 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 sure it works like that sometimes, but you uh, but i'm not talking about like historical artists on this podcast like i want to know what we can do as artists working today to uh protect ourselves to safeguard to help each other to you know and this is the real thing if we're all just going in there mm-hmm. at that point of um you know anxiety and not being honest uh, with ourselves about it like we're not going to make good art and we're not going to be healthy while we make bad art. Any, any other thoughts or I can move on to question number two. Well, just to, yeah, I mean, I just want to tack on real quickly to the meditation thing. Um, I've, I've also just been doing like, you know, like a dumb, like YouTube yoga video every day and, Mm. Uh, I I also remember a friend who was having a really difficult time in grad school and his advisor told him to go for a run every morning. Mm. And I think that is something that I neglected for years and years. And it's really helpful with emotional issues and clearing your head like at the start of the day before getting going. So 
That's an awesome addition. Uh, I've been finding something similar to that uh, is true for me. Yeah, that kind of exertion, that actually working something out where, you know, your brain, instead of being focused on painting or whatever you're working on, it's you're just you're running or you're exercising and then you come back and things can be a little clearer that way. So, yeah, yeah, it's good to add. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Let's do a job in the arts or a separation of church and state. I think that means, um, yeah, so that part-time or full-time job that you take on to pay for your art making, um, when, yeah. You first moved to, uh, you can look at it either way, when you first moved to uh, New York to get professional or period when you got professional, um, professionally minded about art, uh, did you have any interest in getting a part-time or a full-time job in the arts? You know, something something connected, uh, art handling, working at a, the front of the gallery, um Museum jobs. Um, I mean, anything that has a, it's connected um, or uh, creative uh, creativity bent uh, work. Or mm-hmm. did you look for, uh, or was that not a draw for you when you were just like, no, 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 my work's gonna, my painting's over here, and work can be psh, anything else. Um, strong thoughts on that, or what was your experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have strong thoughts overall because I do feel like I have a number of friends who do it in uh, a number of different ways and most of them are happy with how it's going for them. Hmm. For me personally, I I was interested in, I was most interested in working for one artist directly. Hmm. However, that is not something I've ever done. Um, and I've done random art handling work, uh, never on any sort of consistent basis, just sort of when a friend needs somebody to jump in. For me, it works a lot better to have a job that is unrelated to the art world. I'm the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that disconnect and I like not having anything at stake in the job that relates to my life in the studio. Hmm. Um, I feel that it makes it a lot easier to have a clear head finish, like finishing work and then coming into the studio to paint. And it's for me, when I have done random sort of art handling or art world jobs, I have found it sort of, daunting that it can feel like there is a potential for a deeper connection with the art world by being present in that job Mm -hmm. and there might be for some people uh it wasn't the case for me and so that like kind of it just kind of was not a good feeling and made me greatly appreciate having uh, a job that I could have an emotional distance from for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I mean, I can respond specifically to uh, uh, working 
all types of jobs, but knowing, uh, feeling like in the art uh, connected jobs, there was like this carrot dangling, you know, this kind of like, yeah, yeah, you, you, one of these days, you know, maybe we'll ask you to, you know, because the, the fact that you're an artist is known uh, in a lot of these jobs and maybe that's why you got hired. So I always felt like this carrot is dangling, but in my experience, it's, how they can get away with, uh, you know, um, these free internships or terribly underpaid gigs that no one would take. I mean, uh, I don't want to be too cynical about it, but my experience was certainly never got any handouts from those kinds of jobs. Um, I'd also say that in a number of them, uh, it kind of, I think you run the risk of getting vibed out or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you're looking at things from a uh, different perspective. So I worked at a, a contemporary art museum for a while and thought it was the coolest job I'd ever had until I worked there a while. And I was like, wow, this is how the sausage is made. This is not, you know, wait, do, should I reevaluate right. this? Is this what I want my whole life to be about is one day getting in these hallowed halls and like, um, so yeah, I think I come down pretty firmly uh, on the side of uh, separation. I think that I love having a job that's um, not just removed from art, but diametrically opposed to art. You know, I love the, uh, mm-hmm. for years it was bartending and serving at restaurants. It was like ultra social, ultra fast paced, ultra like, you know, all of these things that the only thing separating that from my studio practice was a 40 minute bike ride. And I felt like I was using both sides of my brain and like, eh. granted this was also in my twenties and I wasn't, but I felt like it balanced me. (laughs) I felt like, (laughs) no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm, um, living, uh, the best of both worlds here. Um, but I still believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, I think there's totally something to be said for, for those more social jobs where, sure you can that can be fulfilling in a sense where <clears throat> the studio is a, a more of you know you have your isolation and then I, I, I do think there is a balance where you've got this, this social setting as well yeah right on i'm stuck between two okay okay i'm just gonna make a decision how do i know if my art's any good no one around me gives a shit about it how do i know if my art's any good dan how do you know if your art's any good? It's, uh, this is, a, this is a really tough and interesting one. I mean, I think that my art is good. And I think that if you don't believe your art is good, no one else is going to believe that your art is good. I second I think it both takes of really, those statements. Mm-hmm. It takes, it takes a long time to make good art, which is really like, can be very frustrating. Um, cause you often make a lot of shitty things first, but you know that the good things are in there and mm-hmm. that you're going to get there. Um, I mean, you know, I play a lot of soccer, like it's, it's, it's like practice. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to be great if you just get plopped into a game, but if you, if you keep at it, eventually you'll get there. And so I think self-belief is really huge. Hmm. And the second part of that question 
makes me wonder who this person's hanging out with. Um, mm. No, it's no one around me gives a shit about it. Sounds like maybe you need to have new people around you um, mm. because the self-belief can only get you so far. You also have to have a good community supporting you and being honest with you i mean you and i have known each other for years now and we can tell each other when something's not working in a painting of course yeah which is the i feel like that is like the you know that's the diametric opposite to no one gives a shit about it it's i care about it enough to tell you when something's not working right but Um, dan to interrupt for a second is that i feel like community is this kind of overused word and maybe it's just uh you know subjective my own experience but when i moved to new york um which coincided with me really wanting to get serious about painting like that was my that was my goal you know it wasn't networking it wasn't Mm -hmm. galleries it wasn't even um to make great art i mean those were all small goals but like community right it's community that's what ours but what do you what I found um, from my experience is that community is pretty hard to come by. It's pretty hard to stay consistent and like locked mm-hmm. into a community. Um, it could be a local community, you know, like artists that work nearby where you work, or it could be um, I don't know, uh, formed in different ways, but what I've found, is that community is less important than uh, a few special connections. And I don't mean a lot of special connections. I mean, like you just said, you and I, uh, we have reached that critical mass where we can talk to each other. We take each other's ideas seriously. Well, we always did. But um, we can take the criticism. We can take, Mm -hmm. uh, we know it's thoughtful. You know, we've made that bridge between ourselves and first of all i don't think that bridge is super easy to make i think it takes a lot and therefore i think it's you should be really happy is uh you should be pretty content if you have even a few of those bridges because i agree with you it's a little bit Mm -hmm. saying that no one around me gives a shit about it bad news you can have uh, all of the uh, excitement about your own work but you do need somebody to bounce ideas off of and i don't think it's a community i don't think it's 20 people to bounce ideas off of but when you're in the studio and you're having a crisis or you're having a moment of clarity you know to be able to call somebody up facetime whatever it is or back in the old days invite someone to your studio uh you know (laughs) It doesn't have to be, I just don't think it has to be a long call list. I'm, I consider myself really lucky to have, you know, a few trusted artists that uh, will speak about my art and whose art I really respect. Yeah, community can be tough, but it's really important to have those few people. And I also just wanted to say um, <clears throat> it's about that, that you and I were both in new American paintings and then ran into each other in an opening. Mm. And we were both like, we, you know, just like, Oh, I like your work in there. I like your work in there. Fast forward, what, six, seven years later. 
So, yeah, yeah. say, you know, <laughs> say hi to people. Yeah, I, that's a, a great point to add to it is, you know, it wasn't, um, yeah, it really just was as simple as that, right? We, uh, I knew you were around. I, I think I saw your name, like uh, I connected your name to some paintings that I really liked. And then we just took that that tiny step, which is like, I'm so-and-so, you're so-and-so. And then, you know, over time that built into something. So yes, it's not that even if you don't have anyone around uh, who you have that bridge with, um, you know, uh, it, it, you got to start somewhere. And those first steps aren't yeah. that hard. Um, I wonder if I have anything to add with the, how do I know if my art's any good question or part of the question? <sighs> Yeah, I guess I didn't really answer that part either. <laughs> no, you gave it a you gave it a bit there. I just wonder if I would add anything to. I think it's this is probably general, but it's um, if it keeps your interest. I mean, if you if you're in there and it and there's a lot of examples of people who are very much in love with their own work in you know, everything they do. Um, and uh, and I guess there's another type who uh, nothing they ever do is good enough in the studio. And I think that that's actually those are less reflections on uh, their art than it is just their own psyche. Like, they, you know, you would have been a narcissist if you <laughs> went into a different career or self critical, whatever, you know, and I think that that's probably important to know is it's, it's pretty hard to be subjective about your, uh, sorry, objective about your work and, um, you know, to whatever that quality of like good is, what is good is good. You know, uh, the next big thing, is it going to museums? I don't know, but I think it's just whether it keeps you working, whether it keeps you excited to go to the studio or, um, keeps you thinking. I mean, for me, art took over. I had a, couple of things that I was pretty passionate about, but I don't think it was, okay, this is really good work I'm doing. I'm focusing here. It was that art kind of just in like a, a subtle way, it just became more and more interesting. And that's all it was. It became more interesting than the other things that I was doing. Um, and that's what I trusted to say like, okay, this isn't probably that good uh it's probably going to get better let's let's commit to it anyway kind of uh mm -hmm. meandering answer there but i think that's what i got yeah no i think that's a great way to put it um listen i very much wanted to because we were both at grad school at pretty much the same time i think that's when we met my plan mm -hmm. for this first episode was to jump into grad school questions kind of early on you know it's it's some of the mm -hmm. i would say i've gotten more questions uh, uh through instagram about grad school what's the point of it is it worth the cost how do you pick your you know a lot of those and i thought you and i would yeah have quite a bit to say however i at this point i think i've got one more question for you and i think we should just uh if you have not uh hated your time on the art matters podcast too much maybe you would come back on and we would talk about some art uh, art school uh questions another time 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Dope. All right. Give me some time to think about them then too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned for Dan and Isaac recount their grad school experiences and tell you whether to go to grad school. No, I'm just kidding. We won't. <laughs> okay. So the last question we got here is, mm, I feel like I've been making the same piece over and over again. What do I do? Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like uh, you, like your work's derivative of itself or that you're recycling or that one idea has uh, been stretched too far? Is this, uh, I, have a, I have an answer on this, but ooh, is this something you're familiar with? Yeah, this is definitely something that I've thought about. And I, I suspect we have kind of different feelings about this because I think, um, I mean, I'm also, I'm sort of inferring a sense of frustration from the question, but I feel that for me, it's, uh, there's so much nuance in everything that I don't think there's any trouble with essentially making the same thing over and over again, because mm-hmm. no matter, I mean, if you, if you tried to make a literal copy of your previous painting, you would find nuance in doing that copy. And okay. You'd find something interesting to, that could be expound, expounded upon, expanded upon, whatever mm-hmm. the right word is there. I, this is a topic that comes up a lot. And I always use the stupid example of, the Strokes having made the same song for like four albums Hmm. and they're pretty much all good and they all have their own subtlety, their own nuance, and they all have their similarities. Hmm. Um, And so I don't think there's any sort of inherent issue in doing that. I think, you know, issues can lie in, in your own frustration or boredom, which then needs to be sorted out. But I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I hear you. Yeah, I I see it both ways. I mean, every painting or every artwork doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, but I also, I think I kind of grew up on that idea that, um, you know, these ad Xers could just, uh, it was all about nuance. They could make the same painting again and again and again. And what you, mm-hmm. what was so special was the nuance that I think, um, I think that just kind of, um, I don't know, over the years just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I, st- I love Abex work, um, but I think that that kind of repetition, well, it's, like everything we're talking about, it's subjective. But when I think of repeating a painting again and again, or whether I like it or not, I think about getting bored. You know, that's it for me. That's kind of going back mm-hmm. to the last question. I notice that uh, even if it's not something very obvious, even if something there's just something that's been the same in the last couple of paintings or six paintings, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I will uh, noticeably lose interest. And and then that's pretty 
subtle too, is it's not just my interests. I'm not present to that. It's I want to go into the studio less <laughs> or I'm a little less excited right, about, right. Um, you know, what the next painting is going to be. I just watch my practice kind of uh, uh, slow and and. Yeah, uh, but I absolutely understand. I mean, I studied as a printmaker first, so the idea of working in in seriality, in uh, in making these kinds of um, you know these very what would you call them? Like when a painting comes from the last painting, this, this these real close connections between the work, like it's it can be arresting and beautiful and uh, all of it. But I think it yeah, it just comes down to different artists, right? is if you feel like that similarity is putting you in a rut, if you feel like your well is running dry because there's a similarity, um, then it's time to shake it up. But if you feel like, you know, that's your, that's your groove, then, then there's no, you wouldn't even ask the question. That's awesome, Dan. All right, listen, that's the end of the Q and a section. Uh, but I'd ask for you to stick around with me when we come back, we're going to do, um, uh, part two, studio notes and the final question. We'll be right back. Studio notes, studio notes. I've been in the studio. Here are all my notes. Studio notes. So, um, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting to the next section of the podcast, which is called studio notes, which is where uh, myself and my guest, still Dan Fig. Say hi, Dan. He waved, um, forgetting that this is a audio-only <laughs> podcast. For, uh, yeah, great for audio. <laughs> so Studio Notes is just going to be a um, um, an observation uh, from a recent day in the studio. So uh, it can be anything, a problem you were having, or a victory, or um, I don't know, anything. Dan, what do you got? Um, well, I recently found some momentum. I was feeling a little bit of burnout and wasn't making anything for a bit. Mm. And so I'm really excited to have found some momentum and I've entered a phase of just making stuff, not questioning it, not writing about it, not wondering what it means. And it is fun. Cool. All right. Yeah, that is different for you, right? Putting the just just going with that momentum. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Putting the rumination to the side for a bit. Good for you, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, so mine is um, my studio notes would be uh, I kind of came up with a principle earlier this week. Uh, I'm working on this new project that's pretty a large scale and pretty intimidating and definitely new ground for me and uh, pretty intimidating. And I came up with this idea that um, simple is best. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I, I wrote about it after I was up on this scaffold and I was painting and I was like, Sim- simplicity. Uh, because so often when I'm painting, uh, I, uh, I'm analyzing while I'm painting or like you, I step back, I write, you know, analysis is part yeah. of it for me. Um, cause I'm always looking for the best option, the best way of laying mm-hmm. down paint or, 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 or 
removing paint or the best way to get to that color that I want or the finish I want. Always looking for the best. And what I decided was, especially with new projects, uh, but maybe just in the future too, is simple is best. Because simple, the one thing you know about it is it's going to take you the least amount of effort to get from point A to point B. And point B is the end of the painting. And if at point B, Mm -hmm. you're looking at a painting that doesn't quite work, at least point B is not made up of all of these best attempts that are so time intensive and Mm -hmm. draining and hard to deal with once you realize they don't work. If you have the structure of a painting completed and everything that you've done has been the most like uh, strategic in the simplest way possible, the path of least resistance, then it just kind of, uh, I got some clarity from it. You know, I immediately felt Mm -hmm. uh, an ease with dealing with such a big painting because now it's just, what's going to be easier, this or this? And that's how I move. And, you know, I, uh, I think it's, yeah. So that's my studio note. Simple is best. Nice. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that. Final question, final question, let's hope so, this podcast is too long. All right, Dan, we got one final question. Um, I don't know, this might be like a repeated question for all the guests, Uh, might not be, doesn't matter one way (laughs) or another, but... Uh, Dan, what's the one piece of advice you wish you'd heard as a younger artist in art school or before becoming an artist? Don't don't. I still remember Gary Panter. Uh, this artist once told me, don't become an artist. He told a whole lecture hall not to become artists. We were all <laughs> art students. Gary Panter he made Pee Wee's Playhouse. He told me not to become an artist. What? Yeah, dick. they love saying that. They do. I've, I've, I've encountered that one too in art school. Right. Yep. <laughs> no one else talks about it, uh, but in art school, they tell you not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll go with a piece of advice that I did get when I was in my earliest twenties. And it was simply put, don't network, make friends. Mm. And it's, uh, I think it's great advice. I mean, you and I have become friends and I've met, I've made a lot of great friends in uh, the art world. And when you, I think people can kind of smell it on you if you're trying to get something other than friendship. So great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Dan. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me for the inaugural episode of Art Matters Podcast. This has been so much fun. I can't wait to release it to the world. <laughs> and uh, Dan, before you leave us, um, you got any shout outs? Any, uh, how can people find your work? Uh, uh, any projects you've been working on lately that you want the four to five people that are listening to <laughs> check out? Uh, well, I've got a ton of my work on my website, danfig.net. And uh, of course, I'm on Instagram at 
dan.fig. And for the last few years, I've also been running an artist reading group. And we're on Instagram at radgroup.nyc. And uh, that's always open if anyone wants to read some art stuff and chat about it with a bunch of artists and uh, probably going to get into doing studio visits and crits now that feels like things are opening up a little bit more. And um, yeah, just plugging away in the studio. Otherwise, uh, I taken a little break from Instagram, putting the blinders on and just painting away. So taking advantage of the time to do that. That sounds awesome. Dan, Rad Group uh, gets two thumbs up for me, too. Having attended a few of the uh, conversations, I thought they were awesome. And you got good artists involved and easy to do, even with this uh, situation we're all in. Uh, are you guys still doing it uh, online or are you doing uh, in-person yet? We're online right now. And with warmer weather coming in New York, I think we're going to start getting back in person. That's awesome. Well, it yeah. sounds great, Dan. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Isaac. That's all for episode two. A big thanks to Dan Fig for joining us this week on Art Matters. To find more information on his work, you can check the episode description or go to danfig.net. You can find my work at isaacman.com, that's two A's and two N's, or on Instagram at isaac.man. Submit your questions to Art Matters today by emailing us at artmatterspodcast at gmail.com. See you next week. Well, that was Art Matters. I hope you enjoyed it. That was Art Matters. Tune in next time, yeah. Was Art Matters. See you next time.